Hi, good evening. Hi, good evening, Dad. How are you doing? I am well. Welcome to the manual. I've thank, been waiting to get you, you on. Me. I've been waiting to get you on. So I definitely um, want to let you know I miss you guys. I know that oh, I have seen you guys too. since the uh, holiday time. So I know that once this um, curfew has been lifted, I'll be able to come up and, and see everyone. So everyone, you know, know that I'll be, we're thinking about you guys down here just as as well. Okay. All right. So welcome to the manual. This is a podcast of organic thinking and conversation. I would like to definitely get you involved in anything that you want to talk about. So I'll let you introduce yourself and kind of and kind of get to that. Okay, okay. Are you still hearing movement? Yeah. Are you hearing that? Yeah, I am, but nothing's going on on this end. I don't know what's going on. Okay. What about now? No, not so much. No, nothing. I okay. think we're good. Okay. Yeah, I don't know why that is. I don't know why it happens when um when we start speaking. Okay. <laughs> I don't know. But anyway, on to it. I I don't know. I've just um likewise. I've been anxious to get on the um the manual as well. I've been hearing a lot about it, and uh, I've been um hesitant a little bit to you know just come out and just voice some of my own concerns and just open some some doors to some because of just all the controversy that's going on in the world a lot of craziness is going on in the world and um i've had the privilege of being a veteran i've had the privilege to um venture out from the nest and meet with a lot of people from different walks of life different ages sexes backgrounds you name it and um it's opened my eyes up to a lot of different perspectives but I'm still you know a little disturbed by some of those perspectives it's one thing to you know disagree with you know just agree to agree to disagree with someone and it's a completely other to just have uh, just moral differences from someone and um I think that right now in the world we're dealing with a lot of that we're dealing with a lot of um moral differences if there is morality at all we're dealing with a lot of lack of morality um for example, the um, most recent occurrence is the lady in Central Park who was kindly asked by a gentleman, a, a black male, to um, not even just to race bait, but stuff like this kind of, um, that th- these type of discussions kind of open our eyes to where we stand with each other as a society. You know what I mean? So um, that's why I want to discuss that as an example per se, is uh, this lady, who I'm sure we all have heard of, called the police on this black gentleman who had asked her to basically curb her dog, to, to leash her dog, which is, I think, is a pretty reasonable request. You know, I'm it's sorry. Not, it's, a, it's the law, first of all. It's the law, and it's it's okay to not be a dog person. You know what I mean? Like, not everyone is going to be comfortable with your dog just walking around only you know that dog's temperament only you you know what sets that dog off you know what i mean people are okay to not be comfortable with the sight of your dog not being leashed in public so rightfully he voiced his concern and from what i saw on the on the video i didn't see how he like you know what led up to that point but i just saw that he had a very good distance from the woman the entire time in fact she approached him and at the, the same time, she's strangling the dog. And I'm like, is anyone going to address that? 
But um, she's like trying to restrain the dog by like, you know, kind of strangling the dog with the collar and approaching the man, telling the man that she's calling the cops on him. She calls the cops and she is, you know, in distress. This man is, you know, yards away from her and she's, you know, screaming in distress, you know, and, and stressing that, you know, she's being antagonized by a black male, a black male, as if she's using his identity as like a sense of urgency like oh yeah. my god someone please come rescue me i am being me and my dog are being attacked by this yeah. black man oh my god i'm such a victim please help i think that that's what that was but it doesn't surprise me we've seen that happen a lot in history um not to you know categorize all white women but we've seen you know racist white women weaponize you know their white them like you know what, what is the word um their white femininity against black males especially in a in a predicament where they're we've seen it happen in love affairs that's gone wrong we've seen it happen in well in this case she tried to do it with uh you know this guy telling her to just put a leash on her dog she got upset she weaponized her white female authority and she called the cops and what disturbed me the most was how confident she was that despite being on video, she sees this man is recording her, and despite knowing that she's being recorded, she's confident that this police call, this, this phone call is going to work out in her favor. Now that, to anyone who is listening to this, who has, like, you know, ever engaged in the conversation of does white privilege exist? Now, of course, that is subjective because I believe that privilege exists for everyone, depending on who you're with, where you are. But we're not going to sit here and ignore that in many places in America, white privilege does exist. It does. That is correct. And just like how in other places in the world, I might be more comfortable walking around in a white person. Yeah, it, it, it is. So uh, I'm glad you, you, know I'm glad I mean? you said so, that. I'm glad know, you said that. While I... While I do want to address that white privilege exists, there's all types of privilege. I have my own privilege. I've, I've been privilege tracked many of times in my life, in my young adult years, as being a, a, a female, for one, that, you know, even though I had my, you know, my backdrops, I definitely have had that privilege. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. So the fact of the matter is, in this case, she acknowledged that she had white female privilege, and she was confident in that privilege. She was confident that because she's seen it, she's seen, she's seen it win a lot of times in her life, I'm sure. She's seen the odds be completely against men like this this gentleman here, completely against yeah. his favor. I mean, I, I totally agree, given the current climate of things, yes, you know, it, it did it did appear. And one of the things about the video, because I didn't know about this until you mentioned it earlier to me. I had no, I had no idea that this video existed or what this story was about. The dog didn't even seem engaged in anything that was going on. The dog didn't seem angry, barking. The dog wasn't freaking out. The dog was the it victim was... in this entire thing. <laughs> I think the dog was, of course, the the man as well. But the dog, oh my God, the way she was handling this dog. After we get off, you have to, even if right now if you can, you have to watch this video. It's kind of, um, it's yeah, kind of sickening. It. It's sickening because she's. She's just, she goes zero to 100 real quick. And it's, she had absolutely no, no concerns for the dog, no concerns for that man. She was willing to see him get arrested, to see guns drawn on him, all because she's, she's upset that he asked her 
to to put her dog on the leash and then in, in her belligerence she's hurting the dog it's real like disturbing to watch and like I said the most disturbing thing to me of all was her confidence that she was going to get over she had that I'm pretty sure she didn't think that all of this was going to to happen, that she was going to be fired, that um, there was going to be public outrage. I mean, if you see the video, she's she's very confident. In fact, it's if he wasn't recording and I was like the 911 dispatcher, I'd be panicking. Yeah. You'd be sending out a swatch. Yeah, team. the way that she was, like acting on the phone, and it's just—it was so scary because she was so far away from him, and she starts screaming as if, like, as she's on the phone, he's attacking her. It's scary. It's scary, and the, and I wanna—I'm pretty sure a lot of people by now have seen the video, but the reason that's why I want to emphasize, you know, like the—I'm not a psychologist or anything like that, but that's clear cut. Anyone can see, like, the psychology that's at play if you watch the video you can see like it makes you think of all the times when oh man like when that woman called the cops and that guy that one time was she really being like attacked and oh my god that guy that i that i prosecuted and put in for put in for like 30 years for rape did he you know what i mean it makes you question like it, it just it makes you question all integrity it makes you question like the integrity of these of these distress calls and it changes yeah it changes to, sorry to cut you it changes how society looks at things like for instance if I am driving home and it's a stormy night and I see a car pulled up on the side of the road and someone needs help I have to second guess what am I going to do am I going to stop to help these people am I going to stop to help this person are they gonna perceive me as a threat? I just have to keep right. going and hope that the police is behind me to make that stop. So it changes a lot of how society perceives stuff. That's totally true. It's it's, it's definitely changing interactions with each other. It's I don't know. I I would like um, that we are progressing, but it's ideas are a very hard thing to kill. It's it's. I would like to think in this world it's the only immortal, like actual immortal thing, you know, and racism and prejudice, those are things that is just essentially never going to go away. And it's it's going to be a constant. So long as it is an idea, it's going to be a constant. Someone's going to be preaching it always. Some you know what I mean? Like it's it's just a, I think it's just a matter of how we the climate, like you said, the climate is changing. Like there's now more than ever, there's more interracial relationships. Now more than ever, there's more um, people of color in politics. So I get that the climate is changing, but I also think that because of that changing climate, people who cling to these ideas are going to fight even harder to, you know, to, yeah. to, to keep them, to, to, you know, to keep them as like the core values of this country of, or of this of this world if you believe in like global white supremacy or whatever the hell you know what I mean so maybe that's what's going on here maybe we are experiencing um, like a spiritual shift maybe all of this is like a, a wake up call like we're I, I hope that the, the occurrences that have happened ever since uh, Mike Brown and even even before then I hope that all these occurrences are like kind of waking us up like as a as a human race and like kind of making us question like like how we like how we value the sanctity of life of each other you know what i mean i hope that this all of these occurrences is like it i hope that we go in a positive direction than a negative one because we can only go one of two ways when 
like when things like this occur. You know, there are people who for decades who have talked yeah. who have been talking about a race war and et cetera, et cetera, like uh, like Charles Manson and what was it, the Helter Skelter, all like stuff like that. But then there are a lot of people I personally know. I'm I'm grateful to have people in my social circle who are just so above like, you know, the like just violence and, and just believe in like I said, the sanctity of life. And I just hope that I really, I just, I just hope that the like we have like a, a better outcome, like a, a positive outcome for all of this because it's disheartening. I have a, I have a son who's black, and I have a daughter who's well biracial, and that alone, I already know that when they get older, they're they're going to experience the experiences that they'll have just being who they are. If things don't turn around, they're, they're going to be astounding and like in, in a bad way. You know, if things don't turn around for the better, our, our future generation of children, especially um, the, the children of color, it's not really looking good. And um, I think the only thing that we can really do is just pray for the best at this point and pray for each other. Yeah, unfortunately, I think this conversation has been had at the end of the Civil War. <laughs> Some Someone sat around and talked about this. Mm-hmm. Someone sat around a hundred years later at the precipice of the civil rights movement that we're gotta we gotta have change. Now here we are, fifty some odd years later, and we're still having these conversations. Our grandfathers marched, our great grandfathers marched, and that's the thing. We, we gotta stop and that's marching. The thing. That's because people like to say that this was that these are past events. It's not that deep in the past. Yes, it's a it's a long time when you want to look at like the amount of like the amount of years. But when you want to look on like the like the the timeline of history, the civil rights movement and slavery was not that long ago. There are still there are still prime witnesses to the civil rights movement alive today. It was not that long ago. So if they're alive, what the hell makes you think that the people who were oppressing them and the people who were spreading those oppressions what do you think they have been doing all these years while they were alive? You think that they're preaching peace and kumbaya and shit to their children? No, they're not. And that was my point. I did a I did an episode on pomp and circumstance. And pomp and circumstance, for those who don't know that term, is tradition. It's how things are done. It's it's a lineage. It's how we keep things going. We, we have these things that happen. And it's pomp and circumstance. So... There's certain things that are as as American as apple pie, and racism is as American as apple pie. Unfortunately, that is the, that is the sad truth because the, I mean, the absolute very start of American history, it was just rape, murder, and I just don't know anything else. To, to even like think about when I think about the start of American history we can buffer over it all we want and we can we can call it patriotism as much as we want but we can't turn a blind eye to the to our dark past and then turn a blind eye to the fact that our dark past the values of our dark past are still very much running our society today And people think that not having the conversation, that not addressing these issues, that just saying comply, 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 despite the fact that we have complied in so many different ways and so many different languages. If you really want to ignore it after all of that, it's just you have to come to the 
you have to come to the to the realization that you are just comfortable being living in a system that benefited you. You have like you have not experienced these things. And not even I'm not talking to this is not again this is not a race bait or anything like that. I'm not even just talking to you know people who are white and have white privilege and don't want to acknowledge that they have it. This is people with privilege period. Because there are even black people who I'm not even going to call out names of people in the industry, but there have been artists in the, in, in the rap industry who have said things like, oh, that has nothing to do with me. I can't relate to those issues and et cetera, et cetera. I'm talking to you, too. The fact that you if you want to turn a blind eye to it, it's because you're just you're it's, it's kind of narcissistic to want to live in a society where despite the fact that you're comfortable, so many other people aren't. And because that doesn't affect you. It's not a problem at all. That's very problematic. Yeah, yeah it's the have and have nots. It's, it's, you know, I'm, you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to touch on. I wanted to circle back to that, you know, we've all been privilege checked at some point in our yeah. lives. Everyone out there has had something, either your socioeconomic status, your political affiliation, the salary, that, the salary range of work that you do, you've had some level of privilege over someone else and you've enjoyed those of privileges. Course. So I want to I talk about that. Okay. Well, I assume that you want to know what type of privileges I have enjoyed since I've left the nest. Yes. Well, I've, um, as I mentioned before, um, being in the military and then after I even got out, I did try to, um, you know, I, I ventured out a little bit. I lived in quite a few states in almost all corners of continents of the United States to try to, like, you know, see what my scene was. And um, by the way, it turns out I do favor the Midwest. But um, the, uh, the privilege that I think I, quote unquote, benefited from the most, especially being amongst um, middle or upper middle class white people was the um, suburban girl, the suburban black girl privilege. I know that sounds weird. You're probably like, what the hell is that? I kind of made it up because um, I noticed that it's not something that I've ever like actually like noticed I had. And I even noticed it amongst other like girls of my, when I say caliber, like who come from like a similar background that I have, like um, especially like girls who um come from like a West Indian background or African background who grew up in like a, a suburban area or even um, especially like the Northeastern area. I think that's very important, especially important to like um, to, to, to my my venturing out is the fact that I'm from the, the tri-state, which is a huge melting pot, as you know. And so even like living in different parts of the world and different parts of the country, I felt as though everywhere was sort of like home in its own way because I felt like I've, you know, I've dealt with the social culture before because I feel like I have. I've, I've met a lot of different types of people just living in Jersey alone. But going out, I've realized that people don't treat black girls from, from the hood the way that they treat black girls from the suburbs. And that's yeah. just the that's the harsh reality. I'm not saying that I've never experienced racism because I have experienced racism when I lived in Alabama when I when I moved in with mom in 2000 what was that 11? 
when I was yeah. living in Alabama. I, I've told you about all those experiences. I've, I remember crying on the phone to you a lot about the things that I was dealing with um, at school, being in like gifted classes and being like one or one of the only two black kids in the class and how those teachers treated me and how those students, you know, I would, I would say resented me. It was, um, it was tough. So I'm not going to say I didn't experience racism, but even in that climate, I experienced um, suburban black girl privilege. Yes, they did put me in my place as a black girl, but they definitely talked to me like a di in a different manner than they would one of the the other black girls that I was going to school with who were from like one of the like outlying country towns, you know, small country towns, you know? I've noticed that at 16 years old. And that's something that has always followed me, even when I was in the military. I've, people have even told me, and I, I thought it was kind of offensive. I, as I got older, I thought it was kind of offensive to kind of single me out when um, when I'm engaging in conversation with people, especially like older people. They expect, they, they expect me to, to speak to them a certain way, especially if like, I experience this a lot with like, my age in the military who approached me like for the first time they talked to me like real like real ghetto like real urban real um like they, they put like roll their r's and girl and stuff like that and i always thought it was funny and i always thought it was like funny how red they turned when like i respond in a way that they weren't expecting me to respond but that's like in, that's more like a microaggression and it's called a microaggression because it's not really something that is going to it's not like a part of racism that's going to like raise so much concern and, and like you know what I mean like it's 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 more so prejudice and it's like a subconscious thing he saw me uh like the guy that I'm thinking about particularly he saw me saw I had box braids and all that he thought that I was like you know like real hood and he approached me as such that happened a lot um in my years it also um I also got complimented, like almost uh, fetishized for my articulation um, when I would go to bars and, and such with uh, with Nick, and I'll be talking to like an older white couple, and we'll be around like other people our age who speak, you know, like in a similar way that I do, and but I'll happen to be like the only black girl there, and they'll go, "Oh, um, you speak so well. You must be in college." It's like God forbid I speak English well. It's my first fucking language. <laughs> 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 you know it's what crazy. I mean? It's the microaggression. It's not something that's going to make you say, hey, lady, that's racist. But it's like, you know, in the back of my mind, I'm like, oh, she was expecting me to, you know, being the only black girl here to not have any type of articulation or to even keep up with this conversation. <laughs> and so I've um, it's always been like a, a backhanded compliment whenever, even at job interviews, the last job that, that I interviewed at, at Heritage um, here in Scataway. My uh, my boss, bless his heart, he did say that um, he particularly wanted me on the phones because he said uh, you spoke so, like so you speak so incredibly well. I remember him saying that, and I remember thinking, I said everyone in this fucking office speaks well. So what is the <laughs> what is the hang up with me? Why are you so surprised with me? And it's not necessarily like it's it's not something to you know like I said get your panties all in a bunch about, but it just makes you. It makes you realize how people really view women who look like me or people who look like me and what they expect yeah. from me. And when you do like the most minor things to, uh, to, to exceed those expectations, you're like an enigma.
you know you're like you, you like fell from from the sky or something or or you're you're not you're immediately tokenized and that's also something that i had to um i had to cope with with um I don't like calling it a privilege at this point when it becomes tokenization. I don't like calling it like, you know, I don't like calling mm-hmm. it because it's not a privilege to be tokenized because then people feel as though they feel comfortable. Oh, she's so she's black and she's open minded and she's not easily offended by such and such. Oh, I can say whatever the hell I want to her. That's I've dealt with that a lot in my life. And there's been plenty of times I've had to like, I know it sounds crazy, but like reclaim my blackness and remind them that, you know, who I am and who you're speaking to. Like, despite the fact that, yes, this is, like, you know, when you approach me and this is a safe place where you can share your opinion, your opinions with me, no matter how opposing they are, I'm not going to let you disrespect me with your prejudices. Mm-hmm. I know that we all have prejudices. I get that. You know what I mean? Everyone, yeah. in fact, some yeah. of, I feel That's as though some of our prejudice, prejudices have kept us alive. You know, you're walking down the street. It doesn't matter. I don't care if you're black or white or Hispanic or Asian. If you're walking down the street with a gun walk, I'm going to cross the street. <laughs> you know what I mean? That has nothing to do, but that is a prejudice. I am prejudging you not off of your race though, but you're walking a certain way. You look a certain way. You And, and I'm, a, I'm a female. You're like twice my stature. You know what I mean? Yes, that I... I I would not like to say that I do have that prejudice, but I'm not go- I'm not ashamed of it because it has, I would like also to also say it has probably kept me a lot. I probably made good judgment getting out of situations where I prejudged someone and they, I was probably right about them. But there's a mm-hmm. fine line between your, your prejudices and your, your racism. You know, when you let your prejudices control how you treat people, and you let them control the opportunities you give people when you're in a position of power. That's when it becomes racism. And we can't keep ignoring yep. that in society. We can't keep ignoring that it's that it's still a thing that is progressing. That because because not enough people are are talking about it. Yes, we we know that it's there, but not enough people are talking about it. I feel like it's important for white people to especially talk about it. I know a lot of white people, especially, like I said, from the military, who have even asked me, how do I be an ally? I think it's like the most outlandish question. It's kind of cute. But how do I be an ally? <laughs> and it's, I think it's all so simple. Again, to anyone listening to this, if that is your question, I didn't realize how common this was, how common this question was amongst white people who, you know, are, have like the same concerns about what's going on in, in, in the world today when it comes to like, you know, just racial injustices. Um, just use your voice. Stop being it's as simple as just it's using a simple, your voice. Stop it's being a simple. so fucking scared to tell your yeah. mom, hey, that was racist, mom. But you know what it is? You know what it is? And and I've said this a hundred times. To to a hammer, all problems look like nails. To a hammer, all problems look like nails. So so when it's something like when it's something like you know what? That's not my that's not my problem. People are saying that because they not identify that as a problem. They don't even think yeah, it's a problem. Yeah. That's, 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 that's where and that's, that's goes back that's to what I mentioned earlier think about it's how okay. I get it. I'm going to go back to World War II real quick. Because we're talking about how we're ta- basically talking about the out of sight, out of mind thing. I'm going to go back to World War II. Did, did you know do you know how long 
concentration camps were standing and operating and how many people had already died before layman Americans even knew that there was a Jewish genocide or a genocide of Jews, gypsies, gays, et cetera, et cetera. Those people, even though this was something that they had heard from from a film, actually, I think it was a documentary. I think I've seen the documentary on Netflix. Very, um, very moving. Um, it was a film that came out that they even used during the Nuremberg trials to uh, to prosecute some, um, some, you know, some of the Nazi uh, officials. They still felt empathy and sympathy for the six million lives that were lost, despite the fact that this was the first time they had even heard about what was going on. They still felt for those families that were displaced and the, the, the people that were gassed and, and, and just shot dead in the streets and beaten and persecuted and such. You know what I mean? They still felt for them. But for some reason, nowadays, I feel as though when it happens in, on, on camera, especially, and this is the thing that like kind of like just throws my brain all out of whack. We didn't have like the like the privilege of footage back in World War II, where everything can be filmed, where someone can't question like the validity of something. But nowadays we have these things on film and we still have people watching men, young women and children being murdered in cold blood on film and saying, but, and, but what if he, or maybe he should have. You just have to, like, if you're one of those people, you just really have to, like, just take a step back and just, just question yourself. Be honest with yourself. Don't even, you don't even have to have the conversation with your husband, your wife, your children, your best friend. Just, just think for a second and say, do I have some type of bias, some type of bias or some type of underlying resentment towards this race or against this race or or this demographic because there's no excuse at this point in this day and age there's no excuse there's, certain things shouldn't even be going to trial for god's sake we shouldn't even be asking these questions for a lot of the things that have been happening and the fact that people are asking these questions are saying well we don't know what led up to the that's not the point the point is during the time of recordings of whatever it was that we saw, we see a man or one or whoever unarmed. We see an, another man who is armed and they're killing them. That's all I need to see. That's all the evidence I need to see. It, it, it's what I said earlier. It's what I said earlier about I love when they, they're like, stop resisting, stop resisting. You're on the ground, pinned to the ground. Three people already on you. Three people up around you. More squad cars are coming, and they're asking you to stop resisting. At what point do you stop resisting? What exactly. Is, what does I'm, stop resisting I mean, look like? I'm not entirely. You want to know something? I, I wanted to touch on that because I feel like you and I were, were bouncing back and forth between like the privilege and the racial injustices that we're experiencing right now, and I'm I want to keep that correlation so that we don't sound like we're just like you know, just revolving around two unrelated topics. I want to keep the correlation here because I had recently got pulled over in um, South Brunswick. I was 
hopping through the Jeep because I had locked the keys in the Jeep. I was at Wawa and I was hopping through the Jeep to recover the keys and drive off to drive home. And two squad cars pull up behind me. And they didn't have, you know, guns drawn on me or anything like that. But the both of them were outside of their cars and they did they did tell they give me directions to to put my hands on the wheels, et cetera, et cetera. I immediately well, I wasn't like I wasn't confused. I was like, I'm pretty sure they're calling because they saw like me hopping through the car. You know what I mean? But I was scared because that was the first time being pulled over that I was told to not move. You know what I mean? Usually when I've gotten pulled over, I'm not I'm not gonna lie though. I got, I've gotten pulled over a lot. <laughs> I've gotten pulled over a lot, especially in the South. They were always like, you know, easygoing stops. They, they you know, you know why I'm stopping you. You're doing such and such and such and such. Um, just give me your license, registration, et cetera, et cetera, and send me about my way. This time, it was the first time I've gotten like, you know, you know, just hardcore instructions to not move. And the, uh, one of the cops was approaching the car, and he, you know, asked me like, you know basically who I was, like, who, like whose car this was, why I was hopping through it, et cetera, et cetera. I explained it to him, the registration and such, and he apologized for the, you know, for the hassle, I guess, told me that what happened, someone had called saying, reporting that someone had hopped through a, a vehicle and drove off in it and just wanted to make sure that it wasn't stolen, et cetera. It was, it was good, you know, everything was fine. Now, I feel as though had I been a man, <laughs> had I been a man, it might might not have been. It might not have gone that smoothly. Might not have been. But I'm I, I can't sit here and say that I wasn't relieved that I didn't that that I wasn't a male, a black male in that situation. Especially in the you know, the height of everything, the atmosphere of everything right now. So I do think that there are te- when it comes to when it comes to persecution and when it comes to to I guess racial aggressions or whatever you might call it there are tears I do think that there are tears I do think that that black women are are treated like shit in a different way in this country black men are treated like shit in a different way in this country white women are treated like shit in a different way in this country even I mean you know what I mean. So I, I I was I was thankful that in that occurrence I wasn't a black man because this this would not have I don't think it would have gone that that smoothly as it did and I thought it was very ironic that this happened like what two three days ago maybe longer than that I don't know but um just a little anecdote of uh, of how I do feel as though my being a female and especially my being articulate. step on anyone's toes with that it's one of those privileges step on anyone's toes with that but you know me that i have always spoken this way and you know you you know that i growing up i was always accused of wanting to be white or act white or i was too nerdy or i was i was weird and it, there was oh my god the labels are endless but this is just me it's, but it's the but that's the way your mom and i chose to raise you we chose to raise you educated we chose to to raise you with an open mind and we chose to, you know, despite our issues, we still wanted to instill those things and values in you. We wanted to make sure that that you weren't gonna be Jenny from the block. That that was by design. That is by well, design. Well then I appreciate you guys for that. You know, call it what you may. But it but it 
but it, it is also a curse though it is a cross to burden it is it is i can't say that i haven't suffered because, from like, just, even the most smallest of identity issues in my life i i definitely have As, and then you got to throw in the whole caribbean background into the midst and it's just oh god but yeah. one of the one of the things that that people don't realize is that in for in forging an identity in somebody you have to take the good and the bad. You have to take, you know, things that are right. that will help and hurt them. You know, things that will help and hurt them. Any any articulation can be can be viewed as are you getting cute with me? Exactly. Are you getting smart? Exactly. You think you're smart? That's another thing that I've always I've always dealt with is uh, being an articulate person or even being a um, an assertive person. Oh my God! And you pair you pair being assertive with articulate. You're like a force to be reckoned with, and you know no one really wants to you know mess with you. And I guess I'm that type of person. And I come off intimidating, and then you know to put the cherry on the cake, I'm a black female. So it doesn't matter if I have like a valid concern that needs to be voiced. It doesn't matter how I say it, what I say. I will always be the problematic angry black female because I have an issue with something with something and I'm speaking out about it that that has happened a lot too in my life where I'll be in um something as simple as in a, in a debate with someone and you know people like to you know especially in like uh, debates where you're familiar with the person you might want to get like sarcastic throw like a, a cute little like jab here and there or whatever you know but I'll get low blow, like I'll get the low blow and I'll throw a low blow back of being aggressive <laughs> you know it's like you, you you're kind of always walking on thin ice with people especially when you're it doesn't matter who I'm with either it doesn't matter if I'm amongst uh you know articulate non-black people or if I'm amongst articulate or you know not when I don't want to say non-articulate but more so like urban black people there's always thin ice that I'm walking on because amongst urban black people oh I I, I just think I'm all that I just think I'm smarter than everyone. I think I'm better than everyone. I think that I'm more successful than everyone. I look down on you because you're in this pay bracket. First of all, I'm broke, honey. Uh, second, <laughs> you know, but I've dealt with that. You know, like those are those are the labels that I've dealt with from like my urban acquaintances growing up, or even in my young adulthood. Is the, the are those labels? And in my, uh, I guess my my non-black circle not all but some of them i do i have the the feeling that a lot of them view me as the uh some probably probably want to push their limits with how far they can tokenize me others you know are kind of intimidated by, by me they don't want to talk about certain things because they know that we have opposing views and they don't want me to like you know chop their head off so it's like i can't really like fully be myself around like any group of people because it doesn't matter who I am I am just I, I'm just an intimidating person with all of these experiences all of these yeah. these perspectives that I that I respect and that I've, I've learned over the years you know it's, it's really hard to interact with a lot of different people because I'm not I'm not trying to say that like I'm like the the most uh what is it the most like I'm not like the most what is the word that they woke person in the world or whatever but certain people can't Sorry. see eye to eye with a lot of the things that i can see on because they're not willing to look at a situation from a different perspective i i feel like 
nowadays, especially, yeah. especially when um, we're talking about social issues, economic issues, you have to take, you know, people's ideas, people's perspectives from, as just that, as their perspective. They they grew up in a completely different area than you did. They um, they probably have a completely different culture than you have, a completely different religion and a, a set of a belief set, a belief system. Those are all things that you have to take into consideration when we're dealing with the why of a lot of the things that go on in the world today. It's because at the end of the day, everyone is is leading their own path. Everyone is. What is the what is the word that I'm trying to I'm trying to use? Or to, to define to define how not everyone looks at their own like situation. how everyone looks at their own situation is because because everyone comes from a different walk of life. It's a, it's hard for them to even imagine what's going on outside of those walls, and sometimes it's they're in disbelief about the shit that they hear about what's going on outside of the walls. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It, exactly. It's, it's, uh, it's it a false sense of reality. It makes you pity these people. Then, it makes you some, pity these people. And this is why I say, this is why a lot of people, I, I don't get along with them and not to like high horse myself. I'm not saying, oh, I don't get along with them because I'm just too like, I'm too much like, I'm, I'm way wiser beyond my years than them. It's simply because they did not have the same exposure that I did. So my bringing up certain experiences alone to them is offensive to them. Okay, here's, because this is probably not making sense to me, I'm going to use a more specific example. I'm not going to tell you who the person is because I don't want to, I don't want to create any like, you know, whatever. But um, there is a, a person in my life, well, a parent of a person in my life who is from the, um, the deep, I mean, the plains of Midwest. And he was born in like the 50s or something like that. And uh, he's a, he's an army vet. And he's one of those, one of those Republicans who claims to be progressive, whatever. But um, he, he's, he's so to say a closet racist because when I wasn't around, he was, it was reported he was saying a lot of racial things about me to like justify, I guess, the the treatment that I was getting at the time by by some some people that were in a social group of ours, et cetera, et cetera. But anyway, um, I had to take into consideration that no, I didn't. I didn't condone the things that he was saying about me. I don't condone like the the way that he the the, the way that he views is okay to treat people of, of difference. But I had to consider where this man was from. You know, who raised him. He's also displaced. He's a he's he, he's an adopted per he's he's adopted, and he's um. What is the word? Um, indigenous. He's a he's Native American. I don't know. Why I couldn't think of that. And he's so he has like a lot of identity issues of his own. And he was you know adopted into like a, a white Midwestern family, and he was raised obviously with what I want to I, I believe was raised with with these views. Obviously, if he has them, they came from somewhere. So. I have to consider that. And once, every time I think about that, whenever I see something online or somebody saying some crazy shit, I have to think, like, you know, I almost pity you because you have absolutely no idea what was, like, all this time that your parents were, like, you know, force-feeding you this racist gunk and this, this, this ignorant gunk. There was a lot of life going on outside of those walls that they were literally trying to hide you from, like, you know, trying to, trying to hide from you. 
and and it's because their parents did it to them and their parents did it to them and so on and so forth it is it is a it is a toxic and sick cycle and it makes you pity them and yeah and terrorism right. is called the lack of sense of self and that basically boils down to that you are a concoction of so many ideals and things that you you don't you have never established a sense of your of your own self. It's a sad, it's a sad reality, honestly. Yeah, on it's unreal. It's it, it's unreal that you know. And and to go back, circle back one more time. You said something about victims of um, or I'm mm-hmm. sorry, we are checking out privileges um every every everyone you mentioned and you missed one which is white men white men yes yes you're right of their own privilege right. because they have to they have to deal with that oh right. you're saying that because i'm white if i right. was if i wasn't white you wouldn't say that to me so they're 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 gonna be they're gonna look at i'm a victim of, right. of being having this privilege like i said it, it, no one no one is really safe just some people are safer in other places than others. <laughs> you know what I mean? No, I mean it's, it, it is and then fact. when you have money, oh, race goes out the window. <laughs> you're you're green oh, yeah. at that point. Oh yeah. Well, that's what I said about you know privileges right. they range from socioeconomic to your political affiliation to the tax bracket. You know, some people have exactly. a privilege of living in neighborhoods that others can't because I don't want to attack people around me. You know, it's crazy. Yeah, it's hard to ignore. It's stuffy. <laughs> the air is stuffy. I'd like to, I'm just happy to know that I'm surrounded by people who are, who are aware, who are, who are tolerant, who, who call people out in their shit. Like I'm, I'm really lucky to have. Uh, um, I don't have a very large group of friends. I have a lot of associates, but like I'm, I'm lucky to have at least some friends that I, I know are allies. I know that wherever they go, they are, they are spreading love. They're spreading light, and I'm forever grateful for them. They know exactly who they are, and honest to God, I just, just hope that we all just, just heal from everything that's happening right now. It's a lot of craziness going on in the world, and. I know it, it, it seems hopeless. It seems like there's not a, a lot of in sight, but you know, the only thing that we can really do is is within our power to do is to just embrace each other, love each other. Um, I know we can't physically be around each other right now like that, well but there are so many ways to, to embrace each other and love each other. And I think that I really encourage a lot more of that now more than ever, especially. One, one thing that I learned from all of these things that happened in society of late is that, I think we touched it earlier offline, is that the grass gets cut and you see who the snakes oh, are. Yeah. You see who the real, what people really think. You're like, wow, I'm with you all the time. And oh, I yeah. never had Man. an idea that that was in your mind like that. You know? it, doesn't, it doesn't make me hate you as a friend or don't Honest, want you yes. as a friend. But I like to know who I'm dealing with. That's why racism of the 60s is different from now. I would have preferred racism. You know what your intentions are. And the reason I say that is because I know exactly what, yeah, you actually know exactly what it is. Yeah. Yeah. You know exactly what you were dealing with. It wasn't your supervisor at work. It wasn't, you know, your friend 
you know, who, who doesn't want you to be in a certain neighborhood or a certain club or a certain, you know, tax bracket is yep. them. And I, I do think that um, while it's impossible to be surrounded by people who agree with everything that you agree with in terms of politics, I do think that, you know, our, our politics right now, what, what it is that you are, you know, I guess condoning in our politics who you are who, who you are supporting right now it's it's telling you know it's telling and because who we who we vote in i think it's very important to, uh, to know that who we vote in really is a reflection of us it's a reflection of us you can oh, yeah. sit here and say this president or that president like whether it's trump Obama, Bush, Clinton, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. You can sit here and say, "Oh, he he might have been an asshole, but he was a good president." No, we we need to we need to stop thinking that assholes are are good enough to run our country, and we need to definitely acknowledge the fact that, granted, Donald Trump might have had one or two strides, political strides in this entire presidency, whatever they may be. But he's caused a lot of um, social disparity. Not, not necessarily social disparity, but you can say, sit here and say all day that Obama did it. But I do think that I do think that yeah, Trump, although he is, I would like to consider him a layman as far as like the things that he says. He's crude like us. You know what I mean? I feel like he has a very crude humor. He might be a guy that I can like have a drinks with with his stupid ass but I wouldn't have voted him into office because <laughs> I feel like it opened yeah. up like the floodgates for like all the ignorant assholes to just do whatever they wanted and granted a lot of the Trump supporters that I have like you know known like gotten to know they seem like you know very sensible people but then at this point especially in his presidency I have to wonder like to stand behind this man and his like the things that he used it's it's obviously a reflection of you at this point you didn't vote for him because of his politics because his politics are shit <laughs> you know like you you have like a, some type of bias towards you know the, the man himself and what that bias is is I, it's really beyond me because he's not a kind person he's not a compassionate person well, you said it. You said it earlier. You said it earlier. How yeah. old is Trump? He's 71 or 72. He's from an era. He's from an era. He's from an era where we yeah. people yeah. only people his age understand. Maybe all of this will die down when like, you know, well, then again, it, it, there's no telling because ideas don't die. Those, our senators who have been in office since God knows who, God knows when. I mean, it doesn't matter if they die because I'm pretty sure they have children and grandchildren they've passed their ideas, ideologies off to. So I don't know, you know. I really, I just don't know what the, as far as like where we stand with each other socially as a society, I have no idea where we're headed right now because there's so much stuffiness in the air. So much stuffiness. Oh my God. And it's been going on for so many years. And it's like the, the analogy that Tupac made when, when a hungry man is knocking on your door, you have everything that this man needs. You have you have food, you have protection, you have shelter, you have you have water, you have everything, and he has nothing. Eventually he's gonna kick your fucking door in. Something has to be done, something has to be addressed. And honest yeah. to God, it's not it's not really all that hard. 
hold people accountable for the shit that they do. It's really not because you you hold people accountable for the things that they do. The people who had the same idea are going to be like, oh shit, they're not playing. Yeah, but then they have to. The person has to acknowledge that there is a problem in the, in the first. That's place. the step. That's the bridge. Yes, you know, and that's, I, that's, I think that the conversation is what's going to get us across the bridge. More people need to have the conversation and say, "All right, look, the whole country is watching. We all see what's going on. We don't like this shit as a collective. And you, you, and you, you need to. You guys need to do something about it." Not this paid administrative leave bullshit. Not this manslaughter two, three years in jail. None of that. You need to. We we need to make examples of people like this because that's not what our law enforcement is. Our law enforcement is not there to to scare us and terrorize us. People are scared right now. People are scared to go for jobs. People are scared to 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 bum a Lucy off of someone. Can you believe that? I didn't even know. I, you know, that Eric Garner thing, when that happened, I was a little younger and I, I didn't really like read too much into it. I just know that he was the, um, he got strangled out by some officers because he was selling Lucy's and he, he had an asthma attack or something like that, but he, he, was, he, he was strangled. And I'm like, Lucy's, like, you know, loose cigarettes. And I'm like, do you know how many times in my life I've seen someone yep. pull out a pack of cigarettes and be like, hey, hey, yeah, yeah let me pull my cigarette off. I'll give you 50 cents. You mean this man died because of that? People can't even do that. Yeah, and the thing enough. that really grinds my gears with that, and I'm going to wrap this up with, with this right here because I feel like every person who has ever had a, the, the question of, well, maybe that happened because he didn't do this, or maybe that happened because he did this. Here's the kicker. You know what? I'm gonna hold my I'm gonna hold my tongue on that one. <laughs> I'm not even gonna do your podcast like this. I'm not. Yeah, I'm not gonna do your. Podcast. Well, uh, no, I. Hey, well then I'll. Go then ahead. I'll, take the closing I'll, word because I'm not even gonna. Maybe word. another time. Uh, I'm not even I'll gonna go down the rabbit hole like this. So, so I take the opposite stance on that. Um, and I, I mentioned this to you before about being a black man in public space or being a black person in public space. We have to act different. We have a different set of rules that we had. You mentioned having to rummage mm-hmm. through your car to find mm-hmm. your keys and not look like you're still in your own car. You know, we have a different set of rules. We have to not run up on somebody to ask a question. You might be lost or you might have lost your kid and you're running through a store and you run up on somebody and say, Mr. Mr. And they're looking at you like, are you going to rob me? Are you going to, you know, we have, we have to walk up on someone and announce ourselves. It is unfortunate that we have to live wow, like this. As you're saying this, this, I'm thinking what, of all this the times we're at as a society. Like we have that. to, we <laughs> cannot make those mistakes. Yeah. No, you have to, you have to, you have to self-preserve. You have to self-preserve and, and it's being smart. You know, I am not saying by any stretch of the imagination that you're supposed to act different than who you are, but you have to understand that your 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 reaction causes a reaction. Everyone gets stopped by the police wants to be fucking lawyers. All of a sudden, they want to have a law degree. And I'm like, listen, just hopefully we get to the station. I get bailed out. 
You want to know something, though? I think that everyone has that hope when they get stopped by the police. I don't think anyone has intentions on dying. The thing that the thing that people need to understand is people are getting killed cuffed on the ground. People are getting killed complying. So you can't really blame a man who, by the way, is at the end of the day an animal, meaning that he will have the fight or flight instinct. You can't blame a man who has seen this happen, seen uh, seen this happen on TV before where he's being told ground and next thing he knows he has three bullet holes in the in the back of his in the back of his head. Why would he not run? At this point in time, it's like we don't know what to do. And that's why I said that time when I said time was running out, we're running out of ideas and we're running out of time. We don't know what what to do. We are begging for our lives and getting yeah. killed. We are begging for our lives and getting killed. We are about to get to yeah. the point where we're about and to kick in the door. Yeah. It's about time. You know, I would never advocate, I would never advocate violence on every platform. But I am somebody who is confrontational and I believe in self-defense. I believe I'm old testament when it comes to an eye for an eye. And 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 we're at that time. Yeah, I the whole kumbaya. I think that I think it's very it, it's really fantasizing to try to tell an entire group of, of people. Over. Yeah, we get all of this over. is going is going down and we get that for, for so many years. You know, you haven't really been seeing much social justice and racial justices, but you're supposed to be the bigger person and you know, you know, peacefully request your for your, your human rights. Yeah, which everyone else. Yeah, does. I mean, you know, the pilgrims came, came to, to the United they, States, kicked the doors in, and said, "We're moving theirs. in." You know, and that was that. You think if you think if you think if a hundred armed black people stormed the state capital of Michigan, <laughs> no. the way it did? Okay. <laughs> no, nah, they didn't. They didn't made a whole movie about this shit. Here we go. All right. <laughs> Likewise, right. it was great hopefully the next on, time on the we have, um, have you again or have know, better news regular. to share um, you know, more positive things to discuss I'm, I'm just yeah, happy that yeah, I got absolutely. the opportunity to get some of those things off my chest I'm glad that you created this platform and I do hope to be on it again yeah it's a way to unpack it's a way to unpack you know venting is one way and you know people gotta vent and scream into a pillow but then you can right. you can rationally unpack everything that you have inside. You thank you. Thank you for having me. In a positive way. So I thank you again. I will, I will talk to you soon. I'm going right, to chop awesome. this. I'm going to send care. you a copy and I'm going to publish it soon, okay? All right. <laughs>